When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402 466 ESPN or 1 800 825 5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you in. Welcome to Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We are good to go and get you into the weekend. Plenty of camp thoughts as Nebraska, the defense, got to speak today. And thoughts from Coach Janander, Coach Fisher, and a plethora of players. Jacob Padilla was there. I popped down as well. So Jacob will uh, talk some Big Red football and some volleyball and a little hoops for us as well. Reminder, if you missed Bill Hooks and Will Wilson's interview, man, good stuff with the mayor. Coach Hoiberg joined the, the morning hookup this morning, so that's on the ESPN Lincoln On Demand page. So check that out if you have time or want to or just want to hear it again. We're loaded up coming up. I told you about Jacob Padilla in Hour 2. Bill Dolman, the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports with us. And then a Friday with Coach Rick Kaczynski. Some Camp Confidential from Coach Kaz as a coach and as a player getting ready for that glorious first Saturday or week zero in Nebraska's case. You can dial up and join us today on Hale Varsity at 466-3776-476-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers. You can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. We ask you and invite you to follow along with Hale Varsity's radio's new Twitter handle, at uh, HV Radio? At H Varsity Radio. At H Varsity Radio. I need to tattoo that on the old forearm. At H Varsity Radio. Follow the radio show and, of course, at Hale Varsity at ESPN Lincoln. Both handles you can check out. So uh, it's pretty pleasant today. It's going to get cranked up heat and humidity-wise uh, right in time for the thick of camp in August, Sunday into Monday. Uh, we'll hear from uh, Coach Chenander here shortly. But overall, Elijah, you look at some of the numbers for Nebraska and uh, about 21 points a game defensively is what they allowed. They scored about 27 a contest offensively. And from a ranking standpoint, right about 34th in the country offensively, 24th defensively. And my impression today from Coach Chenander is a guy who has – Confidence has command, and while camp is just underway, there's some comfort. You lost a lot to the NFL. You lost a lot to graduation. But Coach Chenander's been able to keep building and developing, and he I, I think he feels pretty good about guys. Well, it's not 
let's just pat everyone on the back and tell them what they want to hear. That's not how Chenander rolls. He's done a really good job of developing guys during his time here. And I think you'll see much of the same this year. And I think you're going to see the need for the defense to be as good or better uh, coming into this year. I, I, I expect them to be better. And that's an ask for the transfers you brought in. They gave up about four a carry on the ground. That's kind of a new normal in college football. I, I grew up with, and you did for a, a while too, where Nebraska was maybe allowing three a carry. But if Nebraska can get that that rushing allowed number down from four to below four as the season moves on, that'll be that'll be huge. I mean, would you say that with the exception of? two to three games last season. Nebraska did have that, that run defense at a place where you'd like it to be. I mean, you, I think of Michigan as it wasn't up to snuff. The second half, or sorry, the first half against Minnesota wasn't necessarily up to snuff. Uh, and maybe second half against Iowa. But, I mean, for, for most of the season, it felt like Nebraska had that run defense to a point where I was maybe not thrilled with it, but I was happy with it. Uh, I, I went the other way. I think Nebraska's run defense started incredibly fiercely. Mm-hmm. And I think by the time they got after, through Michigan State, I think they emptied the tank. That's as great a performance in the second half as you've seen since the Sioux era. Okay, mm-hmm. defensively stopping the run <laughs> against Kenneth Kenneth Walker the third, no first downs. Nebraska did exquisite work against the best running back in the country. And then after that, what, you beat Northwestern? They really weren't a threat. What happened? Michigan ran it down your throat in the second half. Tight ball game. You could have won it. You didn't. But Michigan had some big-time runs. Wisconsin and Allen went for two bills on you. Iowa ran the hell out of the football against you. When push came to shove, I think the defense had to do so much heavy lifting last year that by post-Michigan State, and I know that was kind of almost halfway through the season, I think the defense wasn't as good against the run. I think guys were dinged up. I think you have an opportunity for more depth. I know Ohio State didn't go off on you in the run game. But they iced that game away at the end with the rushing attack when it really mattered. You couldn't get a stop. I think you have an opportunity to learn from that last year and be better this year if you're Ty Robinson. You got the... uh, the, the, the shaved head along with your mates on the line, you can't have that type of fade. You can't have that type of fade defensively, no matter what was asked of you. The hope here is, if you're Nebraska, that you get things figured out offensively and the offense can do some work with you, uh, not necessarily against you and not getting enough points or scoring. I, and I, and just to, to – I'm going to – I'm going to hold, hold my ground. I'm going to disagree with you just slightly here because was the rushing attack up to snuff if Nebraska wanted to win a Big Ten championship game last year? No. <laughs> no, but it, it was up to snuff if you want to go 8-4. and four. Nebraska, I think, had a good enough rush defense to be able to get them to that point. I mean, you look at it, the, the games you listed. Nebraska lost by 7 to Wisconsin, lost by 7 to Iowa, lost by 3 to Michigan. Uh, I mean, lost by three to Michigan State. I mean, when you look into all these things, it wasn't the, the rush defense that was the problem. I mean, I think the Michigan game in particular, that's the one that really stands out along with Wisconsin as being the ones where, oh, yeah, Nebraska's rushing defense got gashed. And 
went and looked up the stats. Michigan rushed for 204 yards against Nebraska that game. Not great, but they got 64 of those yards on one carry. Well, it's still a bust, though. Yeah, it still but, counts. But it still counts, but eliminate that one play where Hassan Haskins, an NFL guy, now makes a great play, hurdles, I think it was Deontay Williams, stays on his feet, keeps going. Incredible individual effort. Uh, the, the front seven could have done a little bit better, but great effort. If you eliminate that play, Nebraska and Michigan were even rushing the ball. Brother, listen, 204 to Michigan, not good enough. 186 to Iowa, not good enough. 252 against Wisconsin. That's the bad one in my Eight mind. a carry. <laughs> right, Braylon Allen killed Nebraska. Five a carry for Iowa, right? Four nine a carry for Michigan. Mi- Minnesota went for uh, a buck eighty two on you. Mm-hmm. All right, those numbers after uh, Oklahoma ran for I think it was one ninety four, but Michigan State went for seventy one. Northwestern went for thirty seven. Pretty respectable. Illinois ran for one sixty seven, and they were one dimensional. They threw for two thirty two. They were pretty balanced. Those numbers and those yards per carry jump massively, mm-hmm. absolutely massively. Uh, and Purdue ran for 2.8 a carry, but Purdue still stuck with the run game and ran for 100 on you, and they weren't anything to write home about. And for, also, yeah, for Purdue to get a 100-yard rushing day against you, I, I know this isn't the 90s anymore, but your defense has got to be better, and it's got to be stronger at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I thought the defense was phenomenal. I thought they played their ass off. But push comes to shove, they were the unit last year that was most trustworthy. And they'll tell you it wasn't good enough. I mean, they were the best defense we've seen at Nebraska in probably seven seasons. However, well, however, they still weren't good enough for the, them to put the, the offense on their back. Well, and they, they did for a good portion of the season. But, but they weren't good enough to, to put, I guess, the, the offense on their back for a whole season, to, to carry them. Uh, that team single-handedly to eight and four. They, they weren't good enough for that. They were no nine good. No. And and uh, we'll get into Bill Conley's top fifty college football defenses, uh, and we'll see where two thousand nine comes in. Uh, let's get a thought here on Coach Chenander, and uh, when it comes to one of the guys screaming off the edge, you and I both smile for Nebraska fans when we think about the prospect of Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner, O'Shawn Mathis on the field uh, in an obvious passing down and getting after the quarterback. You you have two asks this year for Coach Janander. Get more sacks, get more turnovers. Those are his goals. And be be good to to great against the run. You're not going to be perfect against the run. You're going to have a 64-yard bust. It'll happen. But are they able to keep the ball away from you? Can you get a stop on third down, get the offense, the ball back, and then have something good happen in a two-minute type situation with this Whipple offense and whoever's playing quarterback with these wideouts? The other part of it is we still don't know about the offensive line for Nebraska. This this is very critical for the Big Red. Can they Can they be better or as good defensively, they're going to have to be better because I think it's going to take a while for the offense to, to click. And you, you start out against Northwestern, doable. You have two, You have a lot of warm-up games before OU gets to town. And then beyond that, then you get into the, the crunch of the Big Ten season where it is going to be cold, it's going to be windy, and it's going to be what do you do on first down against the run, what do you do on third down against the run, 
because that's how you win football games in the Big Ten. It's how you're always going to win football games in the Big Ten. And uh, we come Black Friday, it can't be another situation where Iowa's getting five a carry on you. And you have a bust in the third or a fourth quarter, and it's just, well, it's just two runs. Totally, just two. But those are the two that, that did you in. Coach Shenander here on, on Caleb Tanner, his growth, his maturity, one of the guys folks in that defensive line room are looking to. Last year in camp and, and through the season, we saw glimpses of what he could be. And I think in spring and through fall, we saw what we expected out of Caleb the whole time. I think he's developed himself into a really, really good player. Uh, gosh, he's doing a lot of really good things right now. Great effort, great enthusiasm, becoming a leader. And it was huge to get him back. Obviously, you know, Garrett's back, he's back. We got an addition of O'Shawn, and we got the young guys, Blaze and Jamari, that are growing up. So I feel really good about that rotation along with a couple freshmen right now. So uh, him coming back for a, for a fifth year was, was really big for our team. Let's get to that ask. What are you asking your mates to do in that front seven? What are you asking the secondary to do? The defense, their charge for 2022. I don't think there's things we're asking them to do differently. I feel like as good as those guys rush in the spring with the addition of Oshan, I feel like we can we can do some different things on maybe third down and second and long. But I, I've asked those guys, the whole group, and the defensive line's a huge part of it, that we need to do what we did last year. And in order for us to really take another step, we've got to get a few more sacks and we've got to get a few more turnovers. I'd like a lot more and a lot more, but if we can if we can get you know another sack a game, another turnover a game, and I thought we did a good job of intercepting the ball last year. We didn't get enough punch outs and enough fumble recoveries. So we're, we're really concentrating on that as we start fall camp here. And more from Coach Chenander here, the plan with Mathis, with Garrett uh, Nelson, with Caleb Tanner. Well, I think if uh, you're a good coach, you probably put your best guys in the field at the, all the time. So if they're the three best pass rushers, we got to get them out there. Um, and and we've, uh, we've already started that, that talk a little bit. you got to have a plan for when they're all available, and you got to have a plan for when they're not all available, whether it's somebody's tired or, or somebody gets nicked up a little bit. But, uh, you know, you, you watch the NFL, there's so many personnel changes and packages. We've got to adapt to that and have some packages as well. So Ty Robinson's going to be very key to this Nebraska defense. Coach McBride's talked about it. Jay Moore's talked about it. Guys we lean on that have bright minds and were great players or coaches at Nebraska, they all, to a man, say, stop the run, right? Well, Ty Robinson is somebody that could be special at Nebraska. Good ball player. Does he turn into special? That's what Coach Chins hits on. Well, as, as we talked about with Ty, for him, I thought last year for him, I thought he had a good year. But I think that he's a special player, too. I think he has the opportunity to have a special year. So for him, it's just not, you know, making your play, staying in your gap. For him now, it's let's, let's make some splash plays. Let's go get a few more sacks. Let's get some TFLs. Let's know when to take a shot. Let's have a better knowledge of the game. And I think he's working hard at that. You get some TFLs, man. It is going to be much easier for you on third and long. Take the run out of the equation and let your secondary do their thing while your beasts off the edge do their thing. Uh, Ty Robinson spoke a little bit earlier today as well. The the vocal leader in that defensive room is no doubt Garrett Nelson. Uh, he doesn't call himself a henchman, 
but more like the bodyguard is what Ty Robinson's referring to himself as. He's the enforcer. That's the word that comes to me. It's one of the Hanson brothers. He comes off. And uh, we have a little bit here on Ty Robinson regarding from, leadership. This is from Nash Tutmacher, actually. Oh, from, from Nash, okay. Out of practice, Ty, if there's, if, you know, if there's something going on he doesn't like, you're going you're gonna to hear about it. He's kind of the first guy that uh, will get fired up about something or whatever. And so, yeah, he, he's got, no matter where, if, if whatever's going on, you know, he's going to have your back. And the same with all of us. You know, something's going on. We got each other's back. At the end of the day, we're just trying to play football and win games. So, so is he a yeller, or how does he diffuse? Oh, yeah. No, he, he can yell. He, uh, he's, he's definitely a loud person, and sometimes you got to cool him off a little bit, but, I mean, that's just how, that's how it is. The, uh, the enforcer. Got to like it. Jacob Bedella, get a check in with us. Plenty of Husker football yet to come. Great to be with you. A Friday with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hey, Storm Chasers fans, a six-game homestand against St. Paul is upcoming, and it all begins on August 2nd. That night is free on the green, which means free berm tickets if you show your FNBO card. The following night is library night, and we're whispering because you can't talk loud in the library, which is why I avoid libraries. Dollar Beer Night is August 4th, and that's also Military Appreciation Night, two of my favorite things. You'll see patriotic jerseys and a whole lot of Budweiser. Nothing more American than that. The weekend slate includes fireworks on Friday night, camo jerseys with an in-game jersey auction on Saturday, and a family fun day on Sunday, which includes Bark in the Park, canned food for tickets, and kids running the bases after the game. Get your tickets now before it's too late. We'll see you soon. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Jacob Padilla with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore is where you find him. Jacob, you're not in a hostage situation. You're uh, in a dark area, quiet to uh, to be able to do the uh, stream yard. Find it, ESPN Lincoln Twitter, ESPN Lincoln Facebook. How are we doing today? Good, yeah, just hanging out uh, in the uh, press conference room on the sixth floor at Memorial Stadium. Uh, spent the afternoon in the press box today after our first all-practice availability uh, of uh, the season. That was good stuff to, to hear from the players and, and, and many of the coaches. We'll get there in a minute. Jacob, you do a great job of covering volleyball for Hale Varsity. Walk us through Kayla Caffey as she is in the portal, the scholarship scholarship situation, and then, of course, Coach Cook's statement. What's your take? Yeah, it's interesting situation. Coach Cook has been kind of hesitant or just straight up uh, has opted not to kind of elaborate on this situation throughout. Um, he said there's a lot of complications involved. He's never really seen a situation like it in terms of what Kayla had to go through. Um, and he, he talked about there being stipulations to her coming back, even though the NCAA did um, grant her a waiver for a seventh season. Um, and he, he said basically the whole way there are decisions that both sides had to make in terms of a p- potential return to Nebraska. And uh, it turns, it, just reading the situation based on what um, Kayla shared in her uh, Instagram post today, it seemed like to come back to Nebraska, I think they decided she would have had to walk on. Um, and that's not something that she wanted to do. So um, she is in the portal looking for a new home 
for her extra season of eligibility. I don't know. I don't necessarily know kind of where exactly Nebraska's scholarship situation is. I, I don't know that they're totally full, but again, there's some, uh, I guess, some weird stipulations uh, about this situation with Caffey. So that um, leaves Nebraska with Caitlin Horde, the transfer from Penn State, who has plenty of experience, and then two true freshmen in Maggie Mendelson, the kind of dual sports star, uh, and Beck Alec, who has been uh, on campus since since June or since January, rather and went through the spring season and started in the exhibition match uh, against Kansas out in Grand Island. So it's looking like those two are going to battle it out for that second starting middle blocker spot uh, alongside uh, Caitlin Horde. So, I mean, as we've kind of become accustomed to with Husker Volleyball, it sounds like this is more of a reload situation at that middle blocker spot, not not a rebuild situation. Yeah, uh, they, uh, Middleson and Alec were both top 10 recruits nationally. Um, the two best middle blockers in their class, I believe, and Mendelssohn uh, reclassified from 2023 to, to enroll early and uh, join both programs uh, for this season. Um, so two very talented players, just two very young players, and they're going to have a great veteran to learn from alongside them in Caitlin Hoard, who has had a great career at Penn State and, and is now looking to, to cap it off here in Lincoln. Jacob Badilla is with us from HailVarsity.com and Magazine. He's up at Memorial Stadium, was at practice earlier today. Some volleyball thoughts there. Husker basketball, media availability with Wiltshire and Breidenbach. What's the tone right now as the guys are doing summer workouts? Yeah, I'm uh, just kind of continuing to work through it. It just vibes are good. Uh, they, they usually are in the offseason. Um, yeah. And you, you always hear, oh, it's the closest team ever. But it's certainly interesting like hearing some of the comments referring to last season as they explain how clo- how much closer this team is. Um, I, I'm actually, we just finished up a story that'll go tomorrow uh, based on what we heard from CJ Wiltshire. I, I wrote about Wilhelm Breidenbach yesterday and just kind of talking about how now with this group, like you don't see players talking back to the coaches or getting on each other when they try to correct each other nearly as much as they did last year. And they're hanging out with each other every weekend and um, the, the sorts of things. And, Obviously, we've been seeing all the the charity work that the team has been doing as as groups throughout this offseason and various different um, NIL opportunities, various charity. They're just doing a lot of stuff together out in the community. So it does seem like this this group is pretty close. We'll see kind of what that means once we get into the season and the adversity starts to hit because right now everything's great. Um, You don't have to worry about losing any games at this point. It's all fun and uh, hard work. Um, But they're in a good spot right now uh, mentally, it seems like, just in terms of how, how the players are feeling. Yeah, and we've seen social media posts of, of them doing team building from boxing to I don't even know what else, uh, of this team just trying to, to come together during the summer. So my question to you, Jacob, if you had the pick of a team building activity for all the Hale Varsity writers, <laughs> everyone gets together, does the same thing, what is your pick for that team building activity? Uh, let's just go with, uh, play some pickup basketball. Cause <laughs> I, I want to see what everybody else has. I know, uh, Brandon Vogel back in the day played a little bit of college basketball. He was a pretty good player um, out there in the panhandle. So I, I'd like to see what he still has left in the tank. Um, and I, I feel like I'd have an advantage now, especially considering, uh, what the, what, what the roster for Hale varsity looks like right now. Um, significantly taller than most of the, the other uh, <laughs> people on staff right now. So uh, 
yeah, let's go play some pickup basketball and uh, kind of see where that takes us. You know, Elijah, you're the uh, you do pickup ball. You're six five, mm-hmm. so that's an exaggeration a little bit. But I'm tall, sure. So your sure. your your roster numbers say six five, Jacob. <laughs> you do whatever you need to do. But I think you got uh, got our, our poor man's Bill Walton over here with the mustache. You got Vogues at point guard. You're a dynamite shooter. Um, I used to foul the hell out of people when I was a younger YMCA player, but. Let's just say I didn't make it up the court as quickly as others. Well, let's just play half court. I, oh, running up and down the court, court my <laughs> defense is going to it's gonna really fall off significantly. So okay. if we play half court, I'll be an interior presence. I can do that. There we go. <laughs> We're making up rules as we go. Let's talk about interior presence. And Ty Robinson, you had a chance to spend quite a bit of time with Ty today. And uh, the, the bodyguard comment, uh, that was pretty good from him uh i look at him as more of the enforcer even though he might not be as vocal he'll pick his spots garrett nelson's kind of the heartbeat of the team but overall your takeaway what was your what was your feel from from the defense today between robinson and even some of what chin anderson i think coach chins is is confident he's he's calm and he's very comfortable with even though he lost a lot i think he likes what he what what cards he has now yeah, I, I haven't gotten to listen to what Shenander had to say just yet. I I was with over with Ty and then with a few of the others, but yeah, I think he described it well. Just kind of um, that that was my takeaway and what I wrote about just kind of the hierarchy leadership of that defensive front. Um, and I think everybody know right now is familiar with Garrett Nelson and kind of mm-hmm. how he's emerged as kind of the face of this defense and of this team, quite frankly. Um, and Ty Robinson now it, it, the season is big for him. It's kind of the the, the point where he has to step up and be a difference maker, not just be a guy out there where um, he's kind of been the other lineman. It, it feels like the last few years when you've had more veteran guys like um, Ben Stilley and Damian Daniels mm-hmm. and the guys out there. Now he's got to be the guy out there that, that, that holds it down, that, that makes plays. And he's stepping up uh, as, a, as a leader as well, in addition to kind of leading by example. Like you said, uh, Garrett's the one that's kind of giving the speeches and firing everybody up, but Ty will, will hold you accountable. He'll speak up when he needs to. He'll kind of make sure that message, that Garrett's message, gets spread throughout the team, that guys are doing what they're supposed to. Um, and I, I think that's kind of cool to see the way that these kind of roles are emerging and uh, they're kind of figuring out um, how things are going to work moving forward with a defense that brought some key pieces back but also um, lost some longtime veterans in the program. Jacob, what's what's good for this Nebraska defense against the run? Elijah and I kicked things off, and I thought Nebraska's defense carried them last year. I thought they did a great job, but it wasn't good enough. And that is just when we look at the rushing numbers, when we look at Wisconsin, when we look at Michigan, we look at Iowa's rush numbers. I think Nebraska's defense – uh, after that Michigan State game, obviously the Northwestern game's in there, but I thought the defense had so much heavy lifting in that first half of the season that, that they faded a little bit in the second half. Still, nothing against them. What what constitutes that step forward for this defense from a rushing number standpoint? Yeah, the, I think the most important thing is going to be complementary football, so you don't have that much pressure on the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to have a more consistent offense. You've got to have special teams doing their job. They don't even have to be difference makers. Just do do their job to kind of maintain at least neutral uh, field uh, field positioning. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, you don't want to put as much on the defense as we saw last year. Um, 
the run defense is absolutely kind of where it starts next year. You've got to be able to control that. And we're seeing, we saw last year, like they, they played more kind of four man front mm-hmm. um, where you brought that, that other the outside linebackers kind of more up there. It wasn't the true three, four that they had played previously. And it really seems like they're kind of focusing more on that direction, both to kind of cover up their lack of um, interior depth, but also to get the most out of guys like Garrett Nelson and Ochon Mathis and giving them a chance to go make plays in the trenches off the edge. Um, so we're seeing a little slight difference. You've got those inside linebackers. They are coming back. They're going to play a huge part um, in the run defense, and it'll come down to whether those guys up front can eat up blocks, um, can open up gaps, and keep those linebackers clean to, to go make the, the plays that uh, they did all season long, playing behind guys like Silly and Daniels. Um so, yeah, I think you kind of honed in on an important part there. Everybody's going to talk about um, turnovers and sacks, and um, that's obviously a huge goal. Um, those are kind of the difference-making plays that, that can tip a game one way or the other, but it's got to start with that consistency uh, up the middle and of run defense in, in the Big Ten. Uh, the, the interior D-line, it's, like a, it's a rough-and-tumble position, uh, pretty physical down there. Do you worry about an injury to someone along that interior defensive line really derailing what this rushing defense as a whole can do throughout the season? Well, certainly, and we haven't seen yet what Stefan Wynn is going to look like, what he's going to be able to bring to that position. Devin Drew hasn't even arrived yet, and I, I asked kind of, Ty Robinson uh, about that situation and kind of how you incorporate a guy midway through camp. And he said, he's just going to have to learn as fast as he possibly can hit the ground running. Hopefully he's studying the playbook now and we'll be able to blend in and take criticism, take constructive criticism, take feedback uh, and learn from it. And right now you've got, um, I think a a guy like um, uh, Colton Feast is somebody that they're really counting on to step up this year. And they feel like he's put in the time, um, he, he's gotten so much better as a player, and he's a guy that you hear pretty much every time they talk about the defensive line group. He's one of those key pieces. So you've got Drew, you've got Wynn as transfers. You've got Nash, uh, who they're going to count on this year uh, alongside Ty Robinson. And then you got Feast in that group. And then beyond that, it's kind of, all right, who's going to be able to make the, the most strides from here to provide that depth, whether it's most I knew some. Um, or, or some, or those richer freshmen. They got a trio of those guys. So certainly, uh, an injury would uh, hurt in that case, in that situation, just because of how light they are. And again, we don't know yet what the newcomers are going to be able to bring. But I think that's part of why they um, are kind of going more and more away from three defensive linemen fronts and just playing more, using their depth at outside linebacker to to kind of supplement the, their their strength up front in the trenches because you do have Caleb Tanner, Oshan Mathis, Garrett Nelson, three guys that have played a lot of football. And then you've got young guys that they like in Jamari Butler and Blaze Gerson as well, who are going to have to kind of get out there and show what they can do at, at some point. So um, I, I think that will help uh, in case of an injury, just kind of the overall depth of the front four, um, as opposed to just the, the interior defensive line, but you're going to definitely need to, hope for some good health in that area based on what we know at this point and who's proven themselves. Jacob Padilla with Hale Varsity. He's off to Volleyball Media Days Monday, so follow him at Jacob Padilla underscore. Jacob, thanks for the time today, bud. Yep, I'll talk to you guys soon. When you think of Union Omaha, what comes to mind? 
the high level of play, the inviting atmosphere, the amazing promotions, huh? I spoke to a former player, and when I asked for one thing that made playing for Union Omaha so special, he responded with the people, his teammates, the staff, and the fans. The super passionate, crazy awesome fans, that is. Why am I bringing this up? Because I want to remind you that the people are just as important to the team as the team is to them. There are plenty of matches down the stretch, and we want to see you in the seats. Get your tickets now before it's too late. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Really, I don't, I don't, when I'm when we playing football, I don't really think about myself too much. I think about everybody because I know everybody going to help us win. Really, really more of a team thing. So getting the, the rest of the young guys to know what, like how it is to play defense and what it is and what the defense looks like and what it is to run to the ball and stuff like that. So. Caleb Tanner there, he uh, met the media today, and uh, he wants a top 10 defense, is desperate to get to postseason. I think a lot of Nebraska fans nodding their head, yes, sir, that'd be a good thing for 2022. Great to be back with you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and open phones here till 5 o'clock as uh, Bill Dolman with us a little bit after 5. Rick Kaczynski, uh, Friday with Kaz. He'll give us his camp confidential. And uh, Bill Conley out with his top 50 defenses of all time. How many Huskers crack that list? Uh, another thought here from Caleb Tanner. And uh, this is on, uh, well, Oshan's impact. Caleb Tanner opened up a little bit here about uh, – Perhaps another rush mate with him and Garrett off the edge. Man, he, he great. You feel me? Another asset that we can really, really use. You know what I mean? So it's going to be a great, great, great thing when we all get together and we can all play together and we play as one. It's, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> he was excited, man. Good mood. He's fired up. He's really uh, said it himself, grown up. And doing the right things and back for a fifth year. Uh, let's get some insight from Nash Huttmacher on that interior of the line. Polar Bear spent some time with the media today as well. I really like the guys we have. I think, you know, most, a lot of the guys, all of us can play. Um, we're getting better and closer every day as a unit. That's what I love most about this unit is we're all really, we're a tight-knit group. We all really care about each other and uh, love playing, being out there and playing for each other. And that's, that's, that's what's really awesome to me. Nash touched on Stefan Wynn, his impact, and uh, what they're asking Bama to do. He's a very good dude. I love talking with Wynn, love getting to know him even more. He's, uh, I think he's going to be a good player and good asset for us. It's, it's always cool to get a guy from a program like that. You know, talk with, talking with him, it's uh, he said when he, or he I think said something about when he got here. Um, you know, he was worried about us not having the right attitude. And he said, "Man, I can't believe the attitude you guys have for what's happened in the past." And um, that's he's come in, got right to work, and uh, we've all. I mean, we love having him in the room. It's awesome. So, question is, you've heard Coach Janander talk about. Can Ty Robinson, he thinks he's a special dude. Can he have a special season? Uh, can O'Shawn Mathis be a tipping point for this defense? Can the rush numbers shrink? 
mid part of the year, end of the year. Can you finish as strong as you started defensively? Jacob Badilla uh, on it as usual. Can you have complimentary football? Can the defense be special? Can it be 9 special? Big ask because there's no Sue that we know about. And that's a pretty safe bet, Elijah, that there isn't going to be another Sue for a long, long, if ever, time in Lincoln. But Bill Conley, ESPN College Football Insider, put out his list of top 50 defenses. How's that grab you? Nebraska's 09 defense came in at number 16. Top 20 in the last 50 years. Too high, too low, just right. And just for uh, comparison purposes, there's a few defenses listed in this article uh just squeezing in was the 03 nick saban lsu defense michigan's 97 defense with charles woodson the only defensive player to win the heisman that should have been a second by sue you have a lot of bamas on there some auburns uh several auburns from different decades three georges in a row and then you have Nebraska's 09 defense, 10 points a ball game, first in scoring defense that year. They finished 14th in the AP poll, 10 and 4. And you had an incredible day for Indomitian against Texas, but he did that throughout the season. And, and I'll say this there were a lot of just crazy ball games in 09. Think about Virginia Tech. Think about the Iowa State game where you lose nine to seven for the love of God. You hold Virginia Tech and Tyrod Taylor. I think that was a 16-15 ball game, something along those lines, where it was just a, a, a field goal fest. Where Nebraska got shut down in the red zone, so it was five Alex Henry field goals, and then the long pass at the end of the game that did Nebraska in with about a minute thirty-two left. Nebraska was at Blacksburg, and that defense was incredible against a mobile quarterback until one play got extended. Yeah, you had a tough day against Mike Leach, the Pirate, and he put up 31 on you. You, you pretty much shut out Oklahoma. You win that ball game 7-3, to forced five interceptions, and you lost to Texas 13-12. to Leach is about it that put up points on you. Nobody else really did. Uh, I think as we look at college football nobody could run on that nebraska front with sue uh with pierre allen uh and uh, of course you had jared crick on the interior as well i'm missing the fourth defensive end that's shame on me but i loved the back seven with dejon gomes i loved it with philip dillard Uh, and then you had fonzie and i'm pretty sure prince was right there for an all big big 12 season because yeah, Prince had that that big pick against Oklahoma brought him down to the one yeah in a, in a field goal fest right but Nebraska wins that game 10 to 7 or just make that uh, 10 to 3 I'm pretty sure uh, not 7 to 3 but the, the defense was incredible you couldn't run on them and they didn't have to blitz anybody that's awesome if you're a defensive coordinator when you just got when all you have to do is send four right you send four and you're still getting home and yeah, that, that 20, 2019 for Nebraska, if they would have just had better quarterback play, because they had good running games with, with Roy Hallou that season. Uh, can they go higher than, than where they're listed? Uh, 
Nebraska fans for sure will say yeah. I mean, but the, the names on there are like Nebraska's all t- all time defense team since 2000 with Sue Steincooler. Uh, I think Cameron Meredith is on that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Compton was on that team. Yeah, Will's a freshman. Um, I yeah, think. Larry Asante was back I in the liked, back end. I loved Larry Asante, and then I really liked Prince and uh, and Fonzie. Maybe it b- might have been a year early for Fonzie, but that secondary was special. We'll wind down hour one next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Bill Goldman, Rick Kaczynski. Next hour, reminder, we are on the road Monday at the Hale Varsity Club up in Omaha in La Vista. Kick it off uh, being on in Omaha 4-6. to six. Excited about that. Very thankful and blessed. And uh, we want to see you out. Uh, live road show. Uh, food and drink specials, plenty of goodies at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. It's not far from the Embassy Suites, the Cabela's, that region. The Alamo Draft House is up there too now. What me? The Alamo Draft House is up there now too. That, that great movie theater. I'm not sure if you've ever been. To yes, that. yeah, yeah. It's just it's in that say it's yep. just like four suites away. So yeah, get up uh, to the Hale Varsity Club and be a part of the. First live show aired in Omaha and Lincoln and our wonderful affiliates also in Carney Hastings, Grand Island, and Columbus. So pretty awesome. Going to be excited. Me and Elijah rocking it. We'll have some some awesome Huskers on hand uh, with us as well. Brendan Kenny. Uh, why not? Uh, we'll, get, we'll let Brendan Kenny uh, do a shout-out to Better Call Saul like they shouted out him in that 2010 team in the latest episode. Steve Warren will be with us. Warren Academy, great Husker on the interior. And uh, Dr. Rob Zadisk, a part of that pipeline. So we're loaded up. Charlie McBride uh, will be uh, with us as well uh, via uh, Northern Michigan. So we'll talk with uh, Mr. Blackshirt. So that's uh, on the docket for us Monday. The Hale Varsity Club, 4-6 to in La Vista, and I think what's going on with the Hale Varsity Club, if you're looking for something fun to do tonight, really awesome. They've National got, Wing Day. Well, it is. So I think uh, all day they've got um, um, some some wings to choose from, and I think a, a pretty sweet price point I, as well. I believe it was eight wings plus a 22-ounce uh, draw for $10. Lemon habanero, Ooh. Hawaiian heat. Ooh. Hot Cheetos, and then peanut butter and jelly. That's the interesting one. Where like they, they peanut butter and jelly wings are money. Oh, I've never had them. They're incredible. Hale Varsity Club tonight. It's National Chicken Wing Day. Go get your your wing game on and uh, get a pint of some Hale Ale tonight. Live music. Heather Wellman going to be there six to eight. Tremendous singer and talent. Uh, so. Get to the Hale Varsity Club tonight. Come see us Monday as uh, we are on the road. Do you know so, what else is tonight? Drawing for the Mega Millions. Have yes. You ticket yet? Uh, I have not. <laughs> uh, Mega Billions because it's 1.1. 1. 1. Yeah. Ridiculousness. Would you buy a pro soccer franchise? I think I'd, I'd start out. All my friends would get a million dollars as hush money. You don't tell anybody I just won the lottery. So I think all my friends get a million. You've thought this out. Yeah. Am I I a co-worker or have I earned friend yet? (laughs) 
<laughs> you might need two million to keep you quiet on the air, dude. <laughs> Here's two and a half. Shut up with the mustache and ice cream truck smoke. After that, I think a big chunk of it goes to investments because with how inflation is, you know, you want that, that money to stay around. And then buy myself some properties. Uh, one good one for myself and a couple to rent out and get yourself some passive income. Mm-hmm. So look at Elijah. Go. That's where to go. The, the, I've got a money guy for you. Do you know? Uh, Uncle Mark. Oh, yeah. I've met Mark. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do I trust him? He might need his hash money, too, though. No, he's he's <laughs> a certified financial wealth management guy. Oh, then, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Uncle right. Mark Schmidt. Bet on that. When when I win, not if I win. When I win When tonight. you win, you go see Marcus Schmidt. Make it happen. Make it happen. Bill Dolman, always green, man. Color of money there. He's with us. Our two hair varsity continues. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, the pride of Fairbury, is back. He's not in studio. He's in his home studio. Bill Dolman with us, at Bill Dolman on Twitter, NBC Sports. Billy D., how's it going? You made it back safe and sound. What's uh, what's shaking this weekend? Well, you know, I heard you talking about wings uh, a little while ago, and I'm thinking maybe I need to make a trip back to Nebraska and uh, go get some wings at the Hale Varsity Club. It also brought to my mind back in the day when I could get nickel wings at P.O. Pears. <laughs> nickel wings at P.O. Pears, right? Um, that was that was quite a time. I've also had wings at the Anchor Bar in Buffalo, by the way. And did those you, little pears were about as good, yeah. Did You didn't ask for ranch. They they will beat you within an inch of your life if you don't go blue cheese. <laughs> blue cheese, yeah, blue cheese. I, I'm not real sure what the celery's for, but I, I'm all for it. It's a vegetable. I'm not anti-celery, not anti-carrot, but uh, you, you got to have the blue cheese with your with your wings. And, and I don't do all that fancy stuff you were talking about. It's just, you know, buffalo wing sauce. Well, and you can get that at the uh, the Hale Varsity Club, bro, but it's they, they have some uh, – some gourmet to it and i went i went out for wings last night me and the bunny went for a beer and wings while junior was at his uh his little friend's place i've been trying to to, to go golf at a, at a at the club all summer a place that would allow you yes and, and <laughs> the kid doesn't golf but he was able to go golf at a really nice place last night because she's a golfer so you know i uh, just uh, how do you how do you pull that off uh so but let's uh, get to some football here, and we'll take a picture of some wings for you Monday when we're at the Hale Varsity Club and send them your way. 
a picture. There will anyway. come a day. There will come a day when you will be buying me a lot of wings on a regular basis. I, so I, I, I totally get that. that it so. is it is paying rent, as they say. Um, well, it's tough now. It's like you go on the special night and they go. Now it's a buck fifty for your wings, half off or something crazy. It's just ridiculous. Now. Yeah, the the old uh, shortage is has hurt me mm-hmm. with uh, with wings. Mm-hmm. So Bill Conley, going to start off. Get your historical take. You've seen a lot of college football. And Nebraska's 09 team comes in uh, at number 16, the top 50 defenses of all time. I respect Bill Conley. I think he does a pretty good job with college football coverage and, and obviously his insight. And I was just going over this 09 team as, as bad as the offense was, not the running game, not the offensive line, but the ability to be explosive and at least play complementary football didn't exist. Nebraska's four losses, 16-15 at Virginia Tech, to the Pirate, 31-10, Iowa State, 9-7, the infamous fumble game, and then Texas at the buzzer, 13-12. Would you put 9 Nebraska higher, or do you think 16, considering they weren't a conference champ, they ended up in the Holiday Bowl, and they still were 10-4, and 16's pretty good? It's very good, um, but... I didn't get all of the teams on that top 50, um, but I don't think that's the best defense in Nebraska's history, and that was the only Husker defense that was on the top 50? Yes, there was no 71 Nebraska. There was no 84 Nebraska. There was no 94 Nebraska. Ironically, the 94 Washington State Cougars made the list. Nebraska played them, and did they play them in 94? Was that 95? 95. 95. So a a year later, I'm off. Forgive me. No, you might be right. But regardless, uh, okay, the 2009 defense was very good in part because it had arguably the greatest defensive, collegiate defensive player on it in in Dominican Sue, who should have won the Heisman Trophy. Um, And I'm not a big Heisman Trophy hype kind of guy because it goes to the best quarterback or whatever. But uh, in Dominican Sue is one of the greatest defensive players college football has ever ever seen and that 2009 season is one of the greatest ever turned in by a collegiate player at any position Hmm. um so that's why i think that defense gets so headlined because it had such a great player on it it was good and bo did a good job you know he's a defensive coach but the, the the national championship winning teams with the Peter brothers, Grant Wistrom, Jared Tomich, Phil Ellis, Mike Minter, Rucker, Ralph Farley. Farley. I mean, yeah, I, yeah I mean, just on and on and on. That they, they had a lot of Indomitian Sioux on those rosters, and maybe they were overshadowed because the offense was so good with Tommy or with Brooke or with Amon mm-hmm. and Lawrence and all these. But those defenses that won national championships, Nebraska would have won national titles with those defenses, regardless of what was going on on the offensive side of the football. Uh, it just so happened that everything came together with those teams and they ran the option. That's why they won national titles. But I'm thinking I probably would say the 95 defense was better than 94 and 95 is probably better than 2009. Uh, so I'm just shocked that, you know, arguably the greatest team in college football history, single season, the defense isn't in the top 50? Well, well, well I mean, that's just the boat. My, Miami didn't get on here either. That 01 Hurricane team, 
with Ed Reed and company, and Ray Lewis. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. So th- there, there's you know, but what the Stanford team from 1923 or whatever it was, it was eight and one and gave up one and a half points per game. Okay, great defense. I get you know great numbers, and it's fun to be nostalgic. Just the same point. as the 71 Nebraska defense. I had a great players on it, but nobody's over 235 pounds, you know. Um, <laughs> but that's a great defense statistically, and for its era, it was a great defense. But to say some of those Miami t- – because that was another one. Miami came to mind with some of those guys that they had on it. Uh, that, that You know, the Miami team in 94 yes. that we dismantled in the Orange Bowl probably would have been ranked one of the great defenses, but they just got steamrolled. By, by Nebraska's offense. It made them look stupid, so you can't put them on there. But to say that 95 Nebraska, uh, I, I, Sue's great, though. Sue is one of the all-time great defensive players, if not the best in college football history. Well, well, couldn't you make the argument, Bill, that as college football has evolved, as offenses have evolved, the fact that scoring has gone up in college football, a, a team doing something like that 9 Nebraska defense uh, is more impressive the closer you get back to, to modern day, just simply for the fact that, I mean, I, I think the, 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 the scoring average among college football right now is just about 30 points a game, whereas uh, back in the, the mid-90s, it was down closer to 20 points a game. So c- couldn't you make the argument that based on what offenses are doing, the 9 defense's performance is more impressive? It's in, it's general, generationally impressive. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, if if you want to play the era era thing, yeah, that's a, that's a good that's a good defense. That's a great defense. But if you put the '95 Nebraska defense on the field in any year from 2000 to yesterday, they're going to give up 13 points a game. Mm-hmm. I mean that those were just monster defense defenses with great defensive linemen. Great uh, defensive defensive ends, edge rushers, outside linebackers. I mean, look at the secondary: Michael Booker, uh, Terrell Farley, linebacker, Ed Stewart. I mean, the, the speed that Nebraska had and, and the toughness. Uh, th- those defenses win games no matter what era and no matter how they wouldn't throw the ball as much as they did. They would be like, remember when Pat Jones? No, you don't. You're too young. You probably we, we can call Pat. He's crazy good. Oh, Correct. Oklahoma State one year came to Lincoln knowing that it was going to lose. And this was like in the mid-80s, I think. I, I uh, Maybe the early 90s. I don't remember. Anyway, but they came to Lincoln knowing they're going to lose. And so they didn't They didn't ruin their quarterback by throwing the ball. They just ran the ball three and out, three and out, three and out, punt, 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 because Nebraska was going to win the game, right? Because the defense was so good. Nebraska was too physical. You know, Nebraska would – Nebraska's 95 defense would cause teams to completely disband, disband their uh, their uh, their uh, game plan because they were going to lose. Th- those teams were just so good defensively as well as offensively. The depth is is what has me. The guys that came after the All Americans and award winners, the guys that were playing in the fourth quarter in a, in a 30 point ball game that ended up going on to be second, first, third NFL guys. The depth that, that Coach McBride had with that talent in 95 was incredible because that's a bunch of the guys, some of them, that ended up carrying home another title in 97 for Nebraska. And those guys were just young guys, pups. You know, and, there, and there, there was a lot of pride in that defense, and you had guys that weren't necessarily highly recruited, but they were great with system. They had a great coach, great leadership. Um, you, know, you think about that 94 Colorado game, the 250th consecutive sellout, or was it the 200th anyway? 
when it was two versus three and Colorado was going to come in with Salam and Stewart and Westbrook and all of those guys. And Nebraska wins 24 to seven and Mike Minner doesn't even play. You know, I mean, but one of the best players in the entire country isn't playing. Tommy Frazier didn't play offensively and the game wasn't even close. I mean, th there was so much depth, so much speed, so much athleticism, so much pride, so much everything on those 94, 95 defenses that to say they're not among the top 20 mm -hmm. all time does not make sense. What to get you? It's a nice poll that you have in the middle of the season. And once again, put one Nebraska team on there, and we're going to talk about the other ones. You know, it's just the way it works. I get you. Bill Dolman's with us, NBC Sports, Brad of Fairbury, Hail Varsity Radio. Bill, a thought here on, on this year's defense. Today, after, after practice, Coach Janander uh, spent some time with us, and Coach Fisher also, number of players. But uh, Ty Robinson, a, a big-time recruit, is coming into his own, started last year, was a contributor two years ago, now needs to, to be special, has the ability to be special. And uh, I know we've talked Sue, I know we've talked 95. And then there's Ty Robinson with uh, some, some mates next to him, going to be more of a four-man look in the front for Nebraska. O'Shawn Mathis, Caleb Tanner, and, of course, Garrett Nelson. Uh, what, what do you think what, – what, what, uh, What's good to you for this defense? Elijah and I kicked off talking about rushing numbers and sacks and turnovers is what you want, but ultimately making sure they don't run for four and a half or five on first down makes third down a little easier. What's the charge for you for this 2022 defense? I got a couple things to say, and they're all, they're all correct. All right, first thing when I was reading about the defense, what did they all do, the defensive line guys like yesterday? Shave their head. Shave their heads. Shades of 19. What was that, 94, 95, when Grant and the Peter brothers and uh, Jared, they all show up and they got their heads buzzed. Great. I like that. You want to be like those teams. I don't even know if they remember that, but it, it, it warmed my heart to see those guys. Did they shave your head back head. then? No, they didn't, but they probably wanted to. Um, I'm going to hit behind Tom. Um, so, so I love the fact that, that, you know, that those guys are doing some fun things in that regard. Uh, I like that the secondary, you know, it sounds like Travis Fisher has the veterans taking a lot of ownership over that group. Mm -hmm. And some of the guys that are taking some ownership haven't exactly seen a whole lot of playing time, but they've been around a while. So I like that. Um, but the, I don't want to say this as a concern. Because you got to love the athleticism and, and the hype around the rut. What are they calling them? Rut edges now? Mm -hmm. S rut? Whatever. Okay. The, the, the defensive ends, the outside linebackers, the edge rushers. Okay. There's a lot of excitement around O'Shawn Mathis and uh, uh, Garrett Nelson and, and whatnot. And that they might have all three of them on the field at one time. I, I think I, I read them saying, but they got to get some depth. In the, with those front guys, with the big guys around the ball up the middle. You know, that we got, we got depth after spring ball with all these defensive linemen transferring in. And it doesn't matter if those edge rushers get to the quarterback and hit them, but if Nebraska is soft between the tackles and all of a sudden the quarterback is handing the ball up to the running back and the running back's picking up five, six yards of a pop, that's a concern. doesn't matter if they hit the quarterback if he ain't got the ball, right? So those guys in the middle – are very critical, and we talked about that after spring ball, getting depth in the, at the defensive line to prevent, you know, the secondary tacklers from having to make the play. 
you know, you put some depth with it at the defensive tackle position, that's going to make the linebackers better. That's going to plug the holes sooner. So you're not going to get five, six, seven, eight, nine yards of pop up the middle. So Nebraska's got it. Great. They've got outstanding edge rushers, right? But those guys, I guess, did I read that Drew is not in camp yet? There's he's no finishing up his summer session online, and he'll be here in August. Uh, well, Next you know, week. Geology mini courses will get it done for you. It did me. But, <laughs> you know, Nebraska's got to be solid with the big guys up front. That's going to make the edge rushers better. It's going to make the linebackers better. Uh, that's that's my concern, really, for the the, the defensive line. Um, and what have I told you since day one of the Scott Frost era, or whatever, might have been day one? The most important recruit of the Scott Frost era, Garrett Nelson. Brightest Scott's bluff. Sign. And what did he say at Big Twelve Media or Big Ten Media Day? He's the best leader we've had in years. And I, I, I've said this from the – Adrian Martinez, nice to get him when they got him, had all the hype. But Garrett Nelson remains the most important recruit and I think maybe the most important player on this year's team because of his pride in the program, his pride in the state, and the leadership that he brings. I love that guy. Bill, about a minute. What are you buying me and Elijah when you win the Powerball tonight? I didn't – I don't need it. So I'm good. You're uh, it, Hefner. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah okay. But if I did, uh, I'd probably pay all those fines for you for all the suspensions you get mm. on Fridays. So uh, clear, clear that tab. And uh, Elijah, maybe a maybe a couple big razors for when the, <laughs> when, the, uh, when the urge hits him when he's no longer an umpire. Just give me some mustache wax. That'll do. No, <laughs> never. I can curl it. Bill, we will see no, you. No, no, no. We will see you next Friday. We'll chat with you next Friday, buddy. Thanks for making time today, bud. All right. Go Big Red. There he is, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Follow him on Twitter, at Bill Dolman. Coach Kaz, Rick Kaczynski next. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Camp underway for the Big Red. We welcome in a longtime D-line coach for Nebraska, Rick Kaczynski, also at Iowa, at a Friday with Kaz. Kaz, what was your mood going into camp? Were you cranked up? Were you intense? Did you ease into the intensity? I, I know where I'd bet, but I thought I'd ask anyway. As a as a player or a coach? Well, t- let's start with a coach. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you're always getting ready to go. Um, but, you know, it's just like it's um, it's like anything else. Uh, you know, it, you're going to be away from your family. You know, it's the end of summer. Yeah, you're, you're excited. You know, you have a lot of anxiety because there's a lot of things that you got to get done. Um, and, and you're looking at that calendar and, you know, you know, August goes quick. And, uh, you know, you're looking at the task in the, in the, in the people and the things that you got to get done with those folks to get them ready. 
So you have that anxiety, you have those nerves, and you know you got a little bit of sadness too, man, because you're you know you're 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 leaving your family. Um, you know you kind of know that, uh, man. You know the next four months are not going to be a whole lot of uh, <laughs> not going to be a whole lot of breakfast at uh, at the village inn uh, with uh, with the entire crew. But you know obviously as a coach you're fired up, you're excited, and it's the same thing as a player. You know I, I don't if, you know I'd be I'd be uh, struck by lightning if I told you I was fired up about uh, camp with, with Coach Holtz. You know, it was, it was a different era. It was a different time. You know, Joe Moore, uh, you know, you were going to be verbally verbally assaulted uh, and, uh, you know, you were going to you were gonna do about uh, 110 one-on-ones before you even got to nine-on-seven. And no matter how you practice, you know, you were going to be grinded um, and uh, belittled, you know, which was good. And then, then they then they spent uh, the week of game day of uh, the game week building you back up, but that's just kind of how it went. So, as a player, wasn't real fired up about uh, about uh, about camp. Yeah, you know, there's nothing easy about it as a player or a coach. Uh, so more more so as a player, um, especially back then. I mean, heck, there was a you know freshman year back then '92. I mean, you know there was a week of camp before the varsity even got there mm. and then the varsity got there. And then, uh, you know, you were, uh, you were back to, uh, being, Hey, you, um, you know, for the next, uh, two and a half weeks before you got into game week. So, I mean, it was, it, camp was brutal back then. You know, there was no limits on, uh, there was no acclimation. Uh, there was no, uh, didn't seem, if there was a limit on, on, on how many, Full padded practices you could go. I don't. I think uh, old Notre Dame and Coach Holtz broke the rules there, but it was tough. But that's how it was designed. Camp camps designed to be tough, and it's a it's a necessary evil. Uh, it's the next step after winter conditioning, after spring ball, summer conditioning to get to get ready to to handle the grind of the of the next twelve weeks of the season. Were you nervous? More nervous about the. The, the, the physical time you had to teach, Kaz, or were you worried? Because you, you're hands off a lot of the summer. Guys are supposed to be doing stuff on their own, and there's different maturity levels. Now you hope well, once, you hope, yeah, the, lo- you hope the locker room's okay to, to bring them along, but a lot of it's out of your hands as well, I guess is what I'm getting at. Well, it was you know it was a little bit different back then too. I mean, you you didn't have the contact, you didn't have uh, you, know, you you didn't the rules didn't allow you to have contact with your players. The only people that saw them during the during the summer were the uh, were the strength coaches, mm-hmm. and then the strength coaches were limited to what the you know you can't you know you couldn't tell your strength coach that hey this is what I want to get done uh, with these guys. I mean, they just did general conditioning drills and um you know the strength and conditioning got them bigger they got them faster they got them stronger um you know they they, there wasn't time there wasn't the hours uh there wasn't the the rules involved where you know you had that individual that technique time so really you know you talk about muscle memory which you got nervous about now everybody was in the same boat but when you go into camp you're not worried about everybody else you're worried about your own house so, you know, it's like, okay, what have these guys been doing on, uh, over the summer? And you got a pretty good idea. Unfortunately, everywhere I've been, you know, I had good guys. I had older guys. I had leaders that, that uh, basically they did their own OTAs on off the clock and got their own stuff done. 
I mean, you're always worried. I don't care if you had, you know, five fifth-year seniors um, or if you had four true freshmen. You know, the approach was the same. You know, you, you were worried as a coach, can I get these guys ready? But it was it, it was not only the mental aspect, it was also the, also the physical aspect because unlike the other sport, it, other sports, you know, you, you can't – you can do things um, – uh, you can break down the game. Um, you know, there's a there's a there's a there's a process. There's a progression. But the only way you can't simulate putting a guy across from you at full speed that wants to kick your tail in, and you know him headbutting you on ready set hut. So you know that's that's where the nerves. That's where the anxiety. Because man, a guy can look great, and you can you can do all those progressive drills. But until you're actually in real football, you really don't know what the heck you're getting. You got a pretty good idea, um, but that's what's really tough about this game. It's not like hey, you can go to a hoop court, get ten guys together. Um, you know, you can practice a lot of things. Baseball that you can simulate the game. You know, you can simulate golf. You can simulate basketball. You can't simulate 22 guys on the field with uh, metal objects on their helmet trying to hurt each other. Right, so. So that's the hard part. And, you know, you got a pretty good idea what you have going into to game one. Um, but, man, you really, it's, it's, you really don't know how those guys are going to perform until they run out of a tunnel. You know, that game day anxiety, that how do they handle a game week? How do they handle a game week with 15 hours of classes? How do they handle a game week during – during midterms, you know, how do they handle a game week after they lost and the media is all over their, all over their tail, man. You know, it's, it's so, so football is really, really, really difficult. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's more difficult physically or mentally than any other sports, but you know, to be able to handle those things and to do it in front of 90,000 people, it, it takes a toll on you. So it's, you're, you're, it's constantly a work in progress. Um, but it's always physically and mentally, you know, but going into camp, yeah, absolutely, man. You're nervous about the physical part. You know, I think as a coach and a player, I don't, players don't worry about getting hurt. Coaches are always worried about guys getting hurt, and protecting guys and how they're going to practice and what's too much and what's enough. Um, so, you know, no matter how good of a plan you've gone in, and with you always got to tweak that plan because guys get banged up, guys get injured, you know, um, you know your depth changes, all those things. So uh, man, it's uh, there's a lot of moving parts, but that's what makes it great too. That's that's what makes that's the fun part of coaching. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, it takes a mental and physical toll, especially on the coaches too. Physically, you're old dudes and you're out there a lot, out there in the sun, and uh, you know there's a lot of a lot of stress that goes with it. Rick Kaczynski is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Rick, you're talking about injuries there for a second. And we had Nash Hutmacher meet with the media earlier today and say through camp and into week one, into the season, he wants the defensive line to be the toughest group of guys on the field. And as a former D-line coach yourself, does that fire you up, that the guys have that mentality? Or is that worry you going through fall camp knowing these guys might be trying to go a little too hard, trying to do a little too much? No, you never worry about guys going too hard. You know, that. You know the the I think uh, you know the the players take on the personality of the coach, um, you know, and and you get what you emphasize, 
and you get what you you demand and you know that's just the position offense and defensive line you have to demand every play i mean it's just i mean you're 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 literally on a cliff every single play and it can go either direction so you know it's uh it's not just going out there acting like a crazy lunatic and all it's 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 about being efficient with your body it's about being efficient with that with that energy man you know it's like striking like a cobra man when you strike man you you, you better be going I, you know, that lion, he's he not out running around like a nut all day, you know, chasing down prey. He's sitting under a tree in the shade. But when he goes, man, he's getting it. And, and, and that's that mentality. And I think when you, have, when you have that experience as a coach and you can look back what it was like as a player, you know when the drive guys and then you know when the, and you know when the back off. All right? You know when to kick them in the tail. And you know when to put your arm around them. But I think, you know, I think the D-line should be the toughest group no matter what year in, year out. Right? And they should already be the toughest group. You're not getting guys tough through camp. They're all, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's how you recruit. It's how you coach them. And it's what's accepted in that room. It's what's demanded by that coach and what's going to be tolerated, what's going to be, what's going to be accepted. And, um, you know, and so those things, man, that's, that starts, that's a process that starts during, during recruiting. You know, it, it wasn't fun to play for me. I, I can all the time. It was fun to play for me when we, when we kicked people's asses. I can promise you that. Um, you know, you were going to go to class and, you know, you were, you were going to be the best person you could be. Um, and, and hey, nobody's perfect. Hey, we're all human, right? Uh, and you were going to do more than was it, than it, you were going to do more than what we were allowed to do within the 20, 20 hour rule. Right. I mean, you were, you know, cause Hey, you weren't just going to punch the clock. The great ones always did more, always did more. And, and, you know, the young guys saw that. Um, and those guys took those guys under the, under their wing. And they said, listen, if you want to be successful, there's nothing easy about it. You know, you can't just punch the clock. The great ones always did more than, than what was expected of them. Right. So, you know, so the process starts during recruited. You know, I mean, it, I, I told these guys, this is what you, you want to go to the NFL. You want to be all Big Ten. You want to run out of the tunnel. You, you think you can start. All right. You think you want to play as a freshman. Okay, get ready because I'm going to put pressure on you because I'm going to put as much pressure on you during that period. So when you get in the game, you know what? You're able to handle those situations. You're able to handle adversity. And those type of things, and, you know, football is not fun. Somewhere along the line, people said that there's nothing fun about football. What's fun is the accomplishments. What's fun is being in that room with those guys, you know, trying to accomplish the same goal. But there ain't a whole lot of fun of practicing in 100 degree heat index, you know, twice a day, beating the hell out of each other and getting up at 5:15 in the morning and all that. It takes a special human being to do that. So what's, you know, what's fun is the reward, you know, the, 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 the payback on your investment. And that's why, that's why it should hurt when you lose because you've invested and you lost. And that's why it should feel so great when you win because of what you put in. And, you know, that's the great thing. You know, you go look at some Bill Parcells quotes and all those. I mean, that guy had it down. You can't fool. I mean, that, you know, football. Other games you can hide. You can hide in baseball. You can hide. You, you ain't hiding on a foot. At some point, you will be exposed on the football field, and that's why, in my opinion, it's the greatest, greatest sport on earth. Yeah.
Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rick Kaczynski is with us Friday with Kaz, Hale Varsity Radio. Usually it's a Tuesday with Kaz. We're back from Indy. And uh, Kaz, uh, I wanted to get your take here on, you, you mentioned how intense camp can be and I don't you don't have to name a player but what was is there a memorable dressing down from coach Holtz that's always stuck with you because coach Holtz I mean he does speaking engagements he's super witty from when we've interviewed him but he's super uh, sharp can be with his tongue I mean he, he is just I don't know how tall he is, but, man, I, I could just imagine someone screwing up and Coach Holt's going off. Oh, everybody got it. It just, it, it just was a matter when your card was pulled, that's all. But, <laughs> but he pulled uh, – <laughs> he had one of our <laughs> – it was fun. We were – I mean, and we had some great D-linemen when I was there during those years, and, um, <laughs> and we were just – we were just having a, we were just having a hard time, and he pulled he pulled the right guard, right. So he pulled the right guard out of the uh, out of the huddle, and he called the play, and he told us to run it, and we're up on the line of scrimmage, and, and you know I don't know what the hell. Nobody knows what to do, right? Because there's a three technique lining up. It's, there's a center, there's a tackle, and a tight end, and so he comes now. Now all of a sudden he starts ripping you. Because we're not, because you're not. He's ripping the quarterback. He's ripping me. He's, you know, what the hell's the problem? We're like, coach, we don't have a right guard. He said, hey guys, we hadn't played with a right guard all day. Wow. Line up, run the play. So, <laughs> you know, it was, it was just his way. You know, he wasn't, uh, you know, when he was yelling and screaming, um, it wasn't very often. He did more things like that to make a point. Gotcha. Right. And now what's a better way to make a point than, than breaking the huddle with 10 and telling, you know, telling the defense <laughs> and telling all your teammates that basically you hadn't been lining up with, you hadn't been lining up with 11 all day anyway. So what the hell is the difference? But you know, yeah, I mean, hell I got sent. I was, I was a two year starter getting sent to the damn uh, scout team of the week of mission, you know, stuff like that. He just, he'd kick you out of practice, you know, call you to tell you he shouldn't, he should have never recruited you. But, you know, all that tell, call your parents, don't tell them not to come to the game because it'll be embarrassed. Or if they come to the game, make sure they don't wear anything with your number or name on it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Do you uh, remind him of that, that tough love once in a while? When you never see happened. Never happened. It's funny. And it's, it, you got to take those because I'll talk to some of my old players and they'll tell I said, you guys, you guys. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> never happened. happened. <laughs> never your parents not to wear your button. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, you know, I think the guys. It, you know, I had a. It was. 
here. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I, uh, Victor and I, we went to, we were up in Pennsylvania, and then Bo got us tickets to the you know, Tigers-Indians game. That cool. got, it got canceled, wow. unfortunately. So uh, so I had I had about an hour and, and 20 minutes in the car, and Mike Daniels called me. And, you know, that's what we talked about, man. I mean, you know, we, we talked about, <laughs> it's funny, here's a guy that I think his last contract was, you know, I know his big contract with Green Bay was forty-two million bucks. He he probably made close to you know sixty, sixty-five mil in the NFL. And you know, I've never heard him talk about money. You know, the only time he's ever talked about money is when he called myself and he called Chris Doyle to to, to thank us for for what we did for him. Wow. Uh, in the conversation that that we had, um, you know, was it two Sundays ago? You know, it was about the things that we let, you know, I talked to him about, man, what, what I would have did different as a coach. And he talked about the things that he would have did different as a player. And we talked about the games that, man, we left things on the table. And, and I think that's what successful people do. You, you know, you got to enjoy the, the fruits of your labor. But also, man, you, you know, it's just, man, we look back and like, man, if I would have did this, 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 this. And, you know, like I told him, Mike, I was such a better coach at, at Nebraska than I was at, at Iowa, you know, because, you know, I just had learned, um, you know, just, just more football. I didn't, I didn't have to be the guy at Nebraska that I was at, at, at Iowa, you know, in, and, and uh, it was just, you know, and, and, it, and that's hard to, that's, that's hard to explain, but Mike, you know, Mike understood that, you know, I, um, you know, I was a young coach at, at Iowa and got experience and then came to Nebraska and, man, okay, Mike, I, you know, there's different ways of motivating people. There's different ways to do things. And he saw the same thing. He saw the same thing as a player. And, you know, and then we talked about the stories and, and you know, the things that we did together. And we, and we were laughing. And, you know, man, that's, and that's, that's what it's about. Like, but Mike and I, what Mike and I talked to that, what Mike knew, I had his best interest. That's why he always listened. There was never a point. And I asked him, I said, I said, I said, you know, was there ever a point where you thought it was more about me? He said, absolutely not. He said, we always knew, you know, whatever your message was, it was about our best interest. And I can say the same thing for every coach that I ever played for. I knew that they had my, my, my best interest. It wasn't about, it wasn't about their success. It was about, it was about my success as a player. And there's no different for me as a coach. It was always about the player's success. And, you know, sometimes, you can't be a nice guy to to players to these guys because a player always sees himself where he's at. He always sees himself as in the present. A coach always sees a kid of what he can become, and it's your job to make sure that you have to get them to where they can become. Uh, and that's not a fun process. And like I told Mike, I said, man, there's no way, Mike, I was going to let you guys be average. Because if I'd have let you be average, I, you guys would have been pissed off at me when you're 40. Mm -hmm. I didn't really care if they liked me at 20. I wanted them to like me when they're 40. So I think most of those guys like me now as they're coming up on uh, on that big 4-0. Rick Kaczynski is with us Friday with Kaz, Hale Varsity Radio, talking camp, getting ready as uh, Nebraska not far off from Ireland. Kaz, I want to ask you, uh, you know, we start in Omaha on Monday, and we're excited to have you on with us uh, during the week. We can't thank you enough for your insight and 
knowledge and, and expertise. I sent you. A, Are you a, kicking a, me off? Am I fired? Are you no, 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 no. Me that I'm fired. Like, no. Now that you got like big time. Or no, what? not at I all. Mean, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> not, not at all. Yeah. I'm just. I'm wondering what you think of of the the profile pic that that they put out of me. I got my shades on and my hair done. Yeah, that was disappointing. Really disappointing. You know. Yeah. If I could hit you with a baseball bat with a Louisville slugger, probably if I didn't know you. I'd have some comments for you, but uh, <laughs> profile pick. I mean, well, I didn't, listen, can I, didn't, I get like if I'm going to be honest, I'm going to continue to be. Can I get like the music or something? What do you, you want? Know, I mean, yeah, yeah. Can we, I mean well, it, I, yeah, it's hard to go Tuesdays with Kaz when I think you've had me on on a Thursday. A Tuesday, and now we're on Friday. <laughs> well, last fri- Friday, the last Friday you were on with me, I was I was doing a show from a bar, and you beat me of up course. for like ten minutes. And Schmidt's drinking on yeah. a Friday. Wow, uh, what what type of music? Hey, do you, give we'll me get a song request. Yeah, give him a song request. Yeah, we'll, we'll get you a whole yeah, we'll open. Come up, we'll come. We'll come up with some. We'll come up. With some You're, you seem to me yeah, like but... uh, a winger guy. Oh come on, man. <laughs> See, you get that beer in Omaha and Lincoln. Now you get that big head there. Get Not at all, dude. No. My, my wife <laughs> will uh, threaten me no, every congratulations. night. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations, man. That's a, that's, a, that's a great spot. It's a great, great spot. We're, we're excited. Omaha, that's a great, great sports town, man. So, um, no, that's awesome. You, should, you guys should be excited, man. Congratulations. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com the espn lincoln app or download them on itunes saddle up partner back to hail varsity radio Rick Kaczynski is with us friday with kaz hail varsity radio talking camp i'm interested while we're talking here how many uh, stars would would Kaz give the movie Slapshot from an authenticity standpoint, and just the the steel town that, that it was filmed in? Oh man, that's 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 a five star, no doubt. I mean, that's one of the that's one of the best movies of of all time. I mean, my man Paul Newman mm-hmm. in a in a in a in a in a leather suit who can who can get away with that? <laughs> just Paul. some of the some of the one liners that you really you really. <laughs> can't say anymore <laughs> ever uh, or you'd be <laughs> no, deported no. Yeah. Or you'd be fired and then I don't, you'd have to find a, a country that would that would take you <laughs> um but uh which would be hard and obviously the Hanson bros but you know and that's I mean that, that was hockey though I mean I grew up with the Erie Blades and you go to the field house at the center I mean it was it was wild I mean you know, beer drinking dudes and, you know, old guys that just played hockey, you know, for forever guys, you know, guys were, you know, you're talking guys in the late seventies to the mid eighties that played professional hockey in the sixties and in early seventies without helmets, man. I mean, these dudes, they, they just love it. I mean, and it's just, a, it's just a great sport. And, you know, in that part of the country, you know, from Buffalo, 
from Buffalo to to Detroit, um, I mean, it's it's just it's just it's it's hockey. I mean, it's street hockey. You know, you know, guys are fighting for ice time. I mean, people are freezing over ponds, and uh, you know, people like to fight and drink beer in that part of the country. So, and there's just passion for. Yeah, I grew up the Penn Stunk, so um, you know, I like the Wings. Um, you know, you always hated the, you always hated the Islanders. Um, you know, you like Chicago because they had a cool logo. Um, you know, so I mean, it was just you know, you take that original six, man. I mean, that's that's just that's just hockey, and then and then you combine that. You know, you know, Johnstown. I could relate to that because that was like your hometown. It was like you got big city problems. You have, um, uh, you know, you have big city things, but you have, uh, you know, like small town relationships, man. You know, you have the neighborhood, you have, you have the mills, you have, um, um, you know, a town that's 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 going backward, man. So, you know, you can you can re- you can relate to that. And I think Paul Newman had, a, I think he had a seventy GTO in that too. I gotta get that. I gotta get that leather suit. I, I, my old man had that leather jacket. Okay. Suit coat. He didn't have the pants though. We wouldn't even even that we wouldn't have let him get away with that. But he did have he did have the uh he had the uh, he had the chops. Yeah. He had the, he had the sideburns and he had the leather he had the leather jacket. But yeah. Yeah, man. Great movie. Absolute great movie, man. Some great 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 lines in there. Rick Kaczynski with definitely us. Definitely can't. No, we, no, we can't. No, we can't. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's worth watching. Kaz, we'll uh, we'll give you a shout. It'll be a Tuesday this weekend, mostly. Awesome. Uh, from awesome. from we'll here get... on out. Appreciate you much, brother. Appreciate you guys. Coach Kaz, a Friday with Kaz, Hail Varsity Radio, and uh, Slapshot was uh, a classic for sure. We had to bring it up. Hit a sweet spot with him because he loved it. And uh, we had to just pause and give tribute to the the leather, right, with leather. Huskers underway with camp. We'll be back tomorrow, weekend edition at 7 a.m., Hale Varsity Club in La Vista Monday. A Huda Media Production.